Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you have them, Daniel 2. We've been looking at this, uh, how to have faith in the face of adversity. And so as we think about all that's going on in our world, we want to look at, at Daniel. The book of Daniel tells us a lot as how to deal with adversity. Remember, he's in exile. And so as we think about uh, what we're going to talk about today, we, we think about what keeps us awake at night. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's been a time in your life when you couldn't sleep. Maybe it was stress, or maybe it was worry, or maybe it was worry about stress, or stress about worry, or whatever it might have been. There's probably been a time in your life when you couldn't sleep. Maybe it was a recurring dream, or a nightmare, that wouldn't allow you to sleep, and you wondered what that was all about. Well, that's what we're going to get to with Nebuchadnezzar today. But remember the whole book of Daniel. The whole book of Daniel is about God's sovereign control, God being in charge of all the events of world history. They're going to see it. We'll see a lot of world history in the second chapter of Daniel toward the end. And we may get to that or we may hold that till next week. But we know that God was working through guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel who weren't yet 20 years old impacting the world empire of the day, the Babylonian empire. God was using youth to make a difference. I want, to hear, I want you five guys on that road right there to know you guys are the guys that God was using during that era, and he still wants to use today, and the rest of us as well. God wants us to have an impact on our world, and yet... One of the biggest ways we can have impact is dealing with the difficulties that come in life, the impossible situations. So what brings about those things in our lives? For Daniel, in this particular instance, in chapter 2, it's the king and his dream, and we'll get to some of the details of that in just a moment. But for us, maybe it's other things, and primarily, I think, there's almost always sin Involved Even in Daniel's case, in Daniel 9, he, he tells us how they ended up in this foreign land. Remember the people of God? They're in the promised land, the holy land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and that Palestinian area, the Israel, what we call Israel, Judah, right there to the, just to the right, if you look at a map, just to the right of the Mediterranean Sea. And God has carried them over a little bit further into what is modern-day Iraq in uh did I say it right? Iraq or Iraq or however you want to say that. And, and that's Babylon. They're in a foreign land, a strange land. Away from their families, away from their customs, away from everything that's familiar to them. They're learning a new language. They're going to, to Babylon State University, getting reframed and, and brainwashed and, and redirected. And Daniel, Daniel says, enough's enough. Last week in chapter 1, he says, I'm, I can only go so far. I'll learn the language and... And yet I, I won't eat your food because it's all about corrupting my relationship with the Lord. And that stuff's been offered to idols and it's not kosher and it's not what God has for us. It's not His plan. So here's where I draw the line. And, and Daniel is promoted because of his, his character and his courage and his conviction and even his courtesy. And here we see him in this um, chapter 
doing what God has prepared him to do. We always see Daniel in the book of Daniel rising to take a stand where God has placed him to have an impact, an influence, insight. God has gifted him with the ability to translate dreams and visions. And that's what he's going to do. And in the process, he's going to save his neck and the neck of his friends and really a lot of other wise men in Babylon. But it also teaches us how to deal with the impossible situations that come in our lives. Things probably have been caused by our sin or the sins of others. Think about it for just a moment. What troubles us? Health situations? Well, sometimes it's our own lack of taking care of ourselves. You know, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself, that kind of thing. Sometimes it's other folks and their sin. You know, whatever that might be. Or, or sometimes it's our finances that cause us to be in impossible situations. And it's decisions we've made when we've made bad investments or, or practiced bad spending habits or whatever it is. And, or sometimes it's things that are out of our control, like the drop in the stock market. We think about relationships. Sometimes our relationships are broken because of the things we've said or we've done. Or sometimes it's because of other folks and what they've said and they've done. And we find ourselves in all sorts of strange places, don't we? Sometimes we wonder how we, we got there. Daniel tells us in Daniel 9, and I'm just going to run through this real fast, the, the way that they got to this place foreign land. This strange land was through sin. Verse 5 of chapter 9. You want to turn there for just a minute. We're coming back to chapter 2 in just a minute. But Daniel says, and by the way, Daniel is one of those characters, the probably the only character in the Old Testament where there's no dirt on Daniel. Daniel seems to always do the right thing. And Daniel admits here, though, that, that there's sin in his life. He's part of that, too. He's not sinless. He's not perfect, even though there's no dirt on him. He is righteous, but he's not perfect. God uses him. And look at verse 5 of chapter 9. But we have sinned and done wrong, and we've rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We've refused to listen to your servants, the prophets. So we ended up in this foreign land. We ended up in exile. We ended up in a place we didn't want to be because we didn't do what you asked us to do, Lord, through your prophets. Verse 7 says, Lord, you are right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us. And Daniel includes himself there, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and, and all Israel. Scattered near and far, whenever you have driven us, wherever you have driven us, because of our disloyalty to you. You recognize God's got a plan. God's got a plan for every one of us. All he wants from us is our faithfulness to that plan. To seek it out, we know some elements of that. We know it's God's plan, His will, that we all be saved. We know it's His plan that we be filled with His Spirit, empowered with His Spirit, that we become more and more like Jesus and be sanctified. We know it's His plan that sometimes we, we suffer. And as we do, that we do it well so that people can see there's hope beyond the suffering that we go through. 
But he calls for us to be loyal. In verse 8 says, Oh Lord, we, we, our kings, our princes, our ancestors are covered with shame because we, we've sinned against you. We, verse 10 says, we, we have not obeyed the Lord our God. And so you look at all. Verse 11 says, because of our sins at the end of it. And verse 14 says, for we did not obey him, but we have sinned. Verse 15, the second part says, and are full of wickedness because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Everybody's mocking us. Do you get the point? What Daniel is praying there in chapter 9 is, we know we are where we are because we haven't followed the Lord, His will, His plan for us. Now, are we where we are dealing with a pandemic as the judgment of God? I, I'm not smart enough to know that for sure, but I know He's going to use this if we'll let Him. Until he's through with this, in fact, he, he may not remove this. If we'll allow God to draw us closer to him. Because there are, are places that this pandemic has taken us that we needed to go. And we don't need to go back to some of the places the way things were before. And that's what's happened with the, the children of Israel here. They have been taken out of the promised land for a season of discipline and chastening. And they don't go back to that place for some 70 years. And they are a different people when they go back. And so when we think about where we're going to be, will we be better for what we've gone through now? Well, it's not automatic. We know a little bit about how we got there. But now we need to determine and decide... What are we going to do now that we're here? There's a lot of mystery about what's going on and, and how we, we are where we are five months later. Just think about it. When, you, when the year turned to 2020, if you had said, hey, we're going to be socially distanced, people would have said, what's socially distanced? What does that mean? We wouldn't know anything about it, would we? It wasn't on, was it on anybody's radar in this place? If... If it was, I'd like to talk to you after the service, if we could. But things are different. And so how are we going to allow the things that are different to, to draw us closer to who God wants us to be and be committed to the things that really matter? I don't know about you, but there's some things in my life. And I'll just confess to you, it's good for the soul, bad for the pastor's reputation that were idols that needed to be exposed. And they have been. And so uh, we think about the things that we are blessed with. Have they become an obsession? And now have they been stripped away and exposed? There's some things like that for me. I'm not going to give you great detail. But there are things like that, and I hope there are for you, that you see God has already used this. And he's going to continue to use this. So let's look at the story of Daniel and see how did he deal with it? And then how can we deal with it? And we're going to focus primarily on verses 13 through 30. And we're going to walk through these sections together. So have your Bible open, if you would, and your sheet, if you have one with you there. We're going to fill in some blanks here today. We had not done that in a while, just to keep you on your toes and think about those things. The first thing I want you to see is what we do when we face these impossible situations. Now, Daniel's situation, just a context here, verses 1 through 12. Remember, Daniel... 
is in this foreign land, and the great um, leader of this foreign land is a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is a wicked, evil, ruthless uh, kind of guy. Now, in your mind, think Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, Saddam Hussein, kind of all combined. You got that? He's not a nice guy. Everybody with me? And so uh, Nebuchadnezzar's rule, whatever he says, it, it, it's, it's sovereign in his land, he thinks. But he's troubled. He's staying awake at night because God has given this, him this dream, and he doesn't know what it means. In fact, you ever had a dream and you, you wake up and you think, man, that was, ah, that was a nightmare, not a dream. That was, that was weird. I don't know what that means, but, but I, I, I don't even know if I want to know what that means. And you can't remember the details. Anybody? You know what it's like to dream like that? Our subconscious does, does some crazy kind of things. Well, Nebuchadnezzar's like that in this instance, and he, he either can't remember the details or he's using the details as a test for all of his wise men, all of his sorcerers and enchanters and, and all the folks that he has gathered together to interpret this dream for him. And, and he says, uh, they say, well, tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. But Nebuchadnezzar says, no, you tell me the dream, and then I'll know whether you can tell me the, the interpretation. And, and so his, all of those wise men say, well, no king, no matter how powerful they are, has ever asked such a thing as this. You've got to tell us the dream so we can tell you the interpretation. No one on earth can tell you the dream and the interpretation. They were right. They say... Only the gods who, have, who are not among us in the flesh. They were almost right there. Only the one true God can tell Nebuchadnezzar what that means. And the way he's going to do it is through Daniel, who has a personal relationship with God, who God speaks to through dreams and visions himself and helps him interpret it for other people. So God is at work personally in this situation. And Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, I'm going to kill all the wise men because they can't tell me the dream, tell me the interpretation. And Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or uh, Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, their Hebrew names, are, are going to be executed. It's their last night to live unless God intervenes. So what would you pray if it was your last night to live? on earth. Lord, help me get things right. Help me put things in order. Help me have a, a peace with you. Lord, protect my family. Take care of them after I'm gone. We're knowing that you're about to face execution. You're these guys' age. What would you pray? And that's what scenario we find Daniel in. And the executioner, a guy named Ariok, Nebuchadnezzar's next executioner, is the one who has gone to to get them. Now, uh, I don't know what you think of when you think of this guy. I was trying to imagine it. And there's this guy, when I was in Haiti in 2012, we were working to, with rubble houses. There had been a huge earthquake in 2010, if you remember world events at all. And so there's rubble all over the island of Haiti. And so we were going down there and using that rubble to build these houses. Pretty cool project. But the guy who met us at the airport, the, the, the whole country was in chaos. Almost everybody was living underneath just tarps. They had no homes left, and they were uh, cooking out of open burners. It was a sad, sad situation. And so when we got out on, on the, 
it wasn't really a tarmac in Haiti. All these people came and wanted to get our luggage and carry our luggage so that we could give them a tip. And, and it was just chaotic until this guy, our bus driver, I think he worked for the Haitian mafia or something like that. And it was the Jesus mafia. His name was Frank, and Frank had no neck. And Frank had muscles on his muscles, and nobody in that airport, Haitian or otherwise, was messing with Frank. And I was so glad that Frank was on my team. And, and so we, we get this image. That's who I, who I think this Ariot guy is like. Is like. But, but more than that, Daniel is not afraid of, of Ariok or this Frank kind of guy because he's got someone even stronger that he knows on his team. The one true God. And so a, a teenage boy is faced with this commander who's come to execute him. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 13. And then we're going to go through 15, this section. And, and because of the king's decree that all of them are going to be executed, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. And when Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. And he asked Ariok, why has the king issued such an urgent, harsh decree? And so Ariok told him all that had happened. And so let, let's just look. How do we deal with adverse situations and impossible sort of situations? Because the, that's what the, all these wise men said about King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This is impossible. We can't do this. How do we deal with the first thing that Daniel does is he, he keeps his poise. That on the outline, if you're following along, he keeps his poise. Now, poise is, is a calmness and a confidence. You've seen an athlete who's poised, basketball player, in the heat of the battle, and the score's tied at the end of the game, who wants the ball, who's going to make something happen because he's calm, he's cool, he's collected. And there was a guy growing up uh, in Hereford, Texas, he was a little younger, quite a bit younger than me. He's been here to preach before. He ended up being a quarterback at Texas Tech, a guy named Cody Hodges, who when he was on the field in high school or, or otherwise, he didn't have a lot of, he wasn't huge, he wasn't extremely fast, he wasn't extre couldn't ex jump extremely high, but he had what they call the intangibles. He was poised in the heat of battle. And so because when he... Because he was so poised, when he stepped on the field, everybody else was confident in him, and that gave them confidence. That's what we see in Daniel. He handled the situation with Ariok, the executioner, with such poise. No panic. Calm. Cool. And collected. I don't know. When things get out of control in my life, I, I tend to panic a little bit. But Daniel had this poise about him. Why? Because he knew who he was connected to. He knew who was on his side. He had a track record already, even as a young man, of God delivering him. And God does that all of his life. So when we're dealing with situations, we do what he did he de-escalated the situation. He just asked this Ariok, 
what was going on. And, and so he asked, the second thing I want you to see on your outline in the, the next section as we begin uh, this next section of Scripture in 16, it says this. He asked Ariok, why has the king decreed such a harsh thing? In verse 15, and Daniel, verse 16, went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell him uh, what the dream meant. And then verse 17, then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know them by, what had happened. And he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret. So they would not be executed. So they would not perish along with the other wise men of Babylon. You know, the second thing he does is he asks for help. He persuades other people to help him. Daniel has great people skills. We see that in chapter 1 with Ashpenaz. We, we see that here with Arioch. And he asks... Ariok for information, and Ariok gives him the information. Now, why would a, a guy who's the, the king's bodyguard, the, the head of the commander, sit down with a young teenager and tell him what's going on? Well, because Daniel has proven himself already. Chapter 1 says, Nebuchadnezzar reviewed Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he found them greater than all his wise men, ten times greater as teenagers. They were leading the way, and so he was different than all the others. So he asked for information, he gave it, and then he asked the king for more time. And the king had just told his wise men, hey, you guys are stalling. You're you're trying to gain more time by not telling me what the dream is and then telling me the interpretation. But to Daniel, he says, okay, I'll give you some more time. And then he asked his friends. That's the third thing, too, on your outline. They prayed for mercy. That's what we do in the midst of this. He asked his friends, urged them, hey guys, it doesn't matter if King Nebuchadnezzar gives us more time. It, it doesn't matter if Arioch is giving me information, but if God doesn't give us the revelation of what this dream is and what it means, Our goose is cooked. So would, he didn't say it exactly that way. But would you pray? Would you urge? Or he urged them to pray for mercy. When you pray for mercy, you have to recognize that you're in a place of humility. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I can't figure this dream out. God, I can't give an interpretation of this this great dream. God, I need you. That's how we deal with all the, the situations that are out of our control, do we not? God, I need you. God, help. God, give me wisdom. James tells us if any of us lacks wisdom, and that's all of us, At one time or another, we should ask of him, and he gives it to us. That's what I've been praying for during these days. Lord, give me wisdom. I don't know which direction to lead our church. I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to open up, close down. I don't know how to keep our people safe. I don't know, Lord. Wisdom. 
the ability to make sound, right decisions. You need that as teachers. You need that as uh, leaders in our community. You need that as parents. We all need that wisdom and discretion that Daniel had and that poise he had. And we need to ask the Lord for that. So are you praying urgently? And earnestly, like this was the last day, like his friends were praying. Because as they prayed that earnest prayer, Lord, deliver us. God did. He came through. And he revealed the dream. And he revealed the interpretation. Now, what would you do? Do what the king wanted you to know. The king of uh, of the, the whole empire, the king of the whole world. He was the most powerful man in the world. If I was given that interpretation and I was given that dream, you know where I'd go? I'd go straight to the palace and say, look, king, I I can tell you what you've been dreaming. God showed me and I'm going to show you. But you know what Daniel does? He gives praise to God first. It's not just about Knowing and doing what God has called him to know and do. It's about recognizing who's in charge. And so look at verse 20 or 19, really. That, that night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, Praise the name of the Lord forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. That's what the whole book of Daniel is about as well. God knows. God's revealing. In fact, does any, hey, help me out here. Does anybody know anybody that really knows the definitive line on this coronavirus thing? How to, how to proceed? How to deal with all the issues that are about to arise? How to deal with the school issue? How to deal with the government issue? How to restart the economy? Anybody seen anybody that they want to follow at this point that says, Hey, that guy or that gal... They are. They're sharp. They're on the ball. They know what to do. And I'm going with them. Wherever they go, I'm going. Anybody? Because I want to talk to them too. Think about that for just a moment. We don't know, do we? But God knows. God knows. And so the important thing for you and me is to foster a relationship with the one who knows. And he will tell us as we need to know. And that's a sweet place to be. Moment by moment, day by day. We all want to make our plans, don't we? The scripture says in Proverbs 16, 9, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. He's in charge. Not me, and not you. And so as we think about where Daniel is, he is praising the God who is in charge. He is praising God for his sovereignty. He, verse 21 says, he controls the course of world events. God is the one who determines who rises and who falls. In fact, King Nebuchadnezzar's dream is exactly about that. So when we think about what's going on here, I know it's, it's getting kind of long. We're going to cover this a little bit more next week. But what, what happens with this great image, this great colossus, is he just tells us who the next four or five world powers is going to be. 
in this dream to this pagan king. And Daniel praises him. And he, he controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. And he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. And he reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in the darkness, though it, he is surrounded by light. I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. And you told me what we ask of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. So he's praising him for answered prayer. And then the final thing Daniel does is he comes in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. And I'm just going to tell you, I want you to read the rest for yourself. But he points to the Lord. He points to the Lord. He defers attention to him from himself and points to the Lord. The king says, can you tell me what my dream is? Can you reveal it to me? And Daniel doesn't start with the dream. He starts with the Lord. And he says, I, none of your wise men could do it. I can't do it either. I'm not wiser than any of them. But there is a God in heaven, verse 28, who can reveal things. You believe that? There is a God in heaven. And He's still in control. He's still in charge. And He can reveal things. Because see, here's what happens for me when I remember that I don't lose sleep I can rest easy the scripture says that the sleep is a gift and when we're troubled we know how precious that gift is when we can't sleep uh, Psalm 127 2 says the Lord gives that to his beloved I sleep because I know God is awake Psalm 121.4 says the Lord never sleeps or slumbers so we can sleep at night because we know our lives are in the hand of the one who never sleeps. See, we don't know what the future holds. And it's an old saying, but it's still true. But we know who holds the future. Don't we? And it's the Lord. If he's got the whole world in his hands, he's got our world, whatever concerns us, in his hand. We sing that song, he got the whole world in his hands, he got the whole wide world in his hand. But we don't believe it when we, when we quit singing. We don't believe he's got our world in his hand. But we don't act like we do, do we? If you don't know him, then I am fearful for you in these times. And always. But if you do know Him, you can trust Him. And if you don't know Him, today can be the day where you place your faith in Him, your trust in Him. You admit you need Him. You believe He died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin to make things right. He hadn't given up on you. And you choose this day to follow Him. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, thank You for these words. Lord, there's a lot to cover. <laughs> and Lord, I pray that You have covered what You want to cover through me today. Father, I pray You'd remind us of these things as, as we get anxious, as we worry, as we stress about things and the way this pandemic or this virus has affected our 
lives, our businesses, our families, our communities, our world. That we would remember there's a way to handle it. And primarily the way is to depend on you. Lord, I know there are a lot of smart people in this place. I know there are a lot of strong people in this place. I know there are a lot of good business people in this place. But none of that can, none of that can save us from whatever is to come. And only you, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that we would all come to the place where we understand what you've done for us, Jesus, on the cross. And I pray every child in this place who's not made a public commitment to you and ready to do that would do that. Not wait. I pray every young person and every adult would tell other people what they know in their heart. They're trusting you with their lives. And Father, I pray for the ones who've done that, that we point people to you always, like Daniel did. Through the way we live, through the way we worship, through what we believe, but, but Lord, through the way we pray and depend on you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can sleep. Because we can have peace. For you alone, O oh Lord, will keep us safe. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing? Change my heart, O oh God. And if God's been calling you in, in our time and our look at Daniel to make a public commitment or public decision of any type. Would you do that? You can also do that on our website. And we'll follow up on that, fbc-dc.com. But right now, if God's leading you, don't, don't wait. Don't delay.